Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in to You Have a Cool Job, episode number 40. From Petersons, I'm Jacqueline Walsh, and you're listening to a podcast highlighting those who took their profession in a unique direction and what they did to get there. Today, we're talking with Carrie Grant, a dog trainer who opened her own pet boarding and training business called Denver Dream Dog. Carrie graduated from the prestigious Karen Pryor Academy for Animal Training and Behavior, where she learned positive training methods, including clicker training. But Carrie's world wasn't always filled with wagging tails. I asked Carrie to explain her transition from a career in mortgage lending to the world of dog training. I actually started with the writing program in college, <laughs> but then I had two kids that were, and I was 20 years old, and I was like, man, I got to make some money. So I switched my major to accounting, and uh, and that's what I graduated with. And uh, then, so that kind of got me through my professional whatever. It's funny, I got out of school, and the last thing I wanted to do was accounting. I found out that was a horrible mistake. So I went into mortgage lending, which at that point was just a lot more fun. I mean, initially I was just uh, doing that work. Gosh, I did that for like 20 years. And I loved it until one morning I just woke up and I thought, oh my God, this is sucking my soul out. I had to make a change. So I made sort of an escape plan of one kind or another. I just made a list of things I was vaguely curious about and animals came up high on the list. I'd kind of forgotten how much I loved animals as a kid. So I thought it might be fun. So at that point and probably still, you can uh, uh, volunteer at the Dumb Friends League, which is the, the rescue in Denver. And uh, when you do that, you have to scoop poop for a really long time. That's essentially all your job is. You're cleaning kennels for a really long time, like months. I don't know how many months you commit to, but it's a long time. And, you know, I'm not really known for sticking to things all that long. So um, I'm super happy to drop things if I don't like them. So I told myself if I stuck with scooping poop for whatever time I told myself, six months or something, I could take the next step. So I did stick with with picking up poop for six months. Uh, then I went into, at that point, the Denver Dumb Friends Lake had a dog training, uh, sort of an obedience department for the dogs that had problem areas. And I, uh, found that I enjoyed that still as a volunteer. So then I got my dog training professional education, worked for a company for a while. We got into a disagreement, um, and then I just started my own thing. I'd seen how it was done. I saw the legal forms. I saw the advertising. And I was like, I can do that. You know, I'm still working part-time doing mortgages. But, um, I mean, at that time, I was still working part-time doing mortgages. But I just transitioned into it. And it's funny. I feel like if you if you want to start a business, if you, if you do something well and you get enough people, you'll eventually work for somebody who becomes your advocate, you know. And I've got a couple advocates who just blasted my name all over the place. And my business just went bananas. And then I uh, quit the mortgage stuff. And that was, I don't know, how long, 12 years ago? And uh, I've been doing it full-time ever since. Knowing that the title dog trainer can mean many things, Carrie clarifies what her job entails. So I wear many hats. I started out as a dog trainer, working with primarily obedience, you know, sit down, stay, all those kind of things. But I became more interested over time with uh, behavior work, with aggression, anxiety, phobias, things like that. So a title for that is a behavior specialist. 
um, which led me to specialize in puppies, which is basically kind of learning how to inoculate puppies against common behavior problems that they get later as adults. Um, so that's, that's one of the things I do. I also board and train dogs in my house. So I do a lot of uh, care in my house. Carrie's clients ask for help with behavior issues ranging from leash pulling to aggression. Carrie describes which issues she addresses most. I see a lot of the same things over and over and over again. I bet you three quarters of what I do is dogs that react to other dogs on leash. That's a big one. Kind of hard for dogs because they have to, you know, every, we have them, in, them inhibit every natural behavior essentially that they would normally have. And so you see a lot of the same issues coming up because they're just dogs and they have to try and fit into our world. As a newcomer to the world of dog training, I wondered what kinds of challenges accompany the job. Carrie explains how having strong interpersonal skills can help bridge the gap between owner and pet. My challenges come less from the dogs and more from the people and the environment around the dog. So essentially, it's like this. I'm presented with this mystery. Like, this dog is doing something mysterious and we don't like it. The dog is chasing cars. The dog is attacking visitors. The dog growls when somebody passes by his bed. The dog starts howling every morning around 10 a.m. and the neighbors are mad, you know? So we just talk and we try to solve this mystery together. And here's where the people skills come in because sometimes that mystery leads to sort of an uncomfortable truth. So, you know, I've worked with dogs that are really aggressive. And when I arrive at the house, you can feel what it feels like to be in that dog's home. Like I can feel, for example, sort of this underlying hostility between family members or there might be a person there who's really soft and fragile like the world is just too big and too difficult for them and the dogs are going to react to that they're just like emotional sponges and they just respond naturally to what they feel um so what's challenging is sometimes explaining to people how their feelings are affecting the dog and it's hard to get that information across in a way that people are, are okay to hear you know, like one way I approach that is I ask them, you know, we just focus on physical things and I ask them what value is the dog getting from whatever that behavior is. So for example, like right now, I've got a dog that's super aggressive to the teenage son in the house, nobody else. So obviously we need to take the focus off the dog and take a look at the kid instead. And that's an uncomfortable conversation to have. So I try to focus on just concrete physical descriptions, like, just what's going on without any descriptors, any judgment. We just describe what's happening. So in this case, <clears throat> I haven't met these people yet, but we'll go through it like this. So what physically happens when that dog lunges at the kid? And they'll say all kinds of things and give descriptors like, oh, he's angry. He's full of rage. He's afraid, whatever, you know. But all I'm looking for is just a physical description. When the dog lunges, his ears go back. His weight projects forward, his mouth is shut, his eyes are wide, and the kid steps back some distance. Bingo. So when the dog lunges, the value that that dog gets is space from the kid. And then we kind of work back from that first point of agreement. For example, you know, what happens just prior to the dog lunging? 
until we reach some point. So for example, we find out that it's when the kid raises his arm with the phone. And maybe we find out in the past, he's biffed the dog in the head with that same outstretched arm position. Who knows, you know, whatever it is, but we eventually get there. And, you know, sometimes it's by environmental. Sometimes it's, um, I've had dogs that are chasing cars having to do with, you know, they've got an electronic fence in the backyard and the dog happened to get shocked at a point when the car passed. Dogs are making associations all the time. So anyway, it's just trying to get down to what what is really going on and, and trying to express that to people in a way that's comfortable for them to hear. Dog trainers use a variety of methods in their work. I asked Carrie to describe which method of training she prefers to use. Well, I usually use the clicker to communicate. So the clicker just, the clicker clicks when the dog does something that you like. So again, when you're thinking about, okay, physically, this dog is doing this thing. And so then you're thinking about, okay, what are we going to do differently? What do we want the the dog to do differently? In the case where the dog is lunging toward the kid, maybe we want to replace that behavior with something different. When the dog, if, if we decide the dog is trying to create space between himself and the kid obviously we want to talk to kid about the raised arm position and make that person that kid more mindful about what he's doing with his body that's making the dog feel threatened but secondly um we want to give the dog some kind of tool about what to use when he feels threatened rather than lunging and pushing the kid away how does he create space by moving back or moving somewhere where he feels comfortable so i use the clicker which is just that it just makes a sound when the dog does something I like. And so I'll usually use the clicker in the case of, okay, I need the dog to move back or I need the dog to go to a safe space. I need the dog to go to his bed, whatever, that kind of a thing. And I use the clicker, which marks the moment that the dog does the thing I'm looking for. Dogs are really um, aware of what their bodies are doing at every moment. And so when you click, when they do something with their body that you like, they just, and they realize that's followed with a treat, then they're like, oh, I can do that again. I can do that again. And you click and they get the treat and you click and they get the treat. And pretty soon they realize, oh, every time that I'm moving back from the kid, I get the click and treat. And they realize you like that. And they'll just start repeating it over and over again. Then you can put chains of those different behaviors together. And that's kind of how you work with behaviors like that. But in general, I just use the clicker method, which is the Karen Pryor uh, method that she used to train sea mammals. We'll get back to Carrie's story right after this. Are you searching for the right college, grad school, or trade school to fit your needs? Or are you studying for those entrance exams you need a good score on? Peterson's has you covered. With advanced college and scholarship search functions, test prep for everything from the SAT to the MCAT to the firefighter exams, and tons of free resources on our blog, Peterson's helps you find, get in, and pay for school, plus much more. Visit peterson's.com today. Welcome back to You Have a Cool Job with dog trainer Carrie Grant. As we discussed earlier, Carrie serves as her own boss in the pet boarding and training business she opened. I asked Carrie to explain where she sees her business going in the next three years. The tricky thing about my work is that, uh, you know, as you can tell from my workload, I work all the time and I work nonstop. And so I would like to develop more freedom in my life. And uh, what I found is that 
a big part of my business now. I've moved more and more from actual training dogs to boarding dogs and boarding dogs with different behavior things and working with puppies and stuff. So I want to do more of that. I also think more and more people are doing that, which is taking dogs into their home and dog sitting. People are getting out of kennels, out of daycares, trying to put their dogs in more uh, comfortable home style surroundings. And the demand for that is gigantic. But that whole industry is fraught with problems. People who don't know dogs and they try to take in multiple different dogs, they just have all kinds of problems because they don't know dogs. And so I want to create a business that has to do with teaching people how to take multiple dogs into their house. You can make awesome money. Right now, when you look at some of the companies that are doing that, Rover.com, for example, some of these companies that are kind of connecting people with uh, dog sitters, those dog sitters are just woefully underprepared for what it's like. And Rover takes all their money. So I want to teach people how to keep dogs in their home, make a lot of money, easy six figures, and do it in a way that is super safe and super fun for the dogs. So that's that's my next project. I'm trying to do that into an online thing, um, an online class of some kind. And that's my next plan. Building a career in the pet training business involves a strong education and a lot of persistence. Carrie shares her advice for aspiring dog trainers. Get a good education in terms of animals and learning theory and that sort of a thing. From there, learn to do a lot of things. So you can basically bring a lot of value to people. For example, if you're doing obedience, it'll help you if you have knowledge of behavior and dog emotional issues and things like that. So get some skills along the lines of uh, dog behavior, not just the sits and downs and stays. Or say, if you want to, um, if you want to understand puppy development, it'll really help you better be better able to help people teach their puppies obedience skills because you'll understand where the puppy is at developmentally. So just try and get more information than just the minimum. Always keep learning. Invest in your own education, your continuing education. Don't skinny out on a cheap program and don't stop learning. The more you know, the more you have to sell. And then secondly, I would say really work on your people skills because dog training is really emotional for a lot of people. There are a lot of personal and family dynamics at play. And so to be a good dog trainer, I think you need to be a good people trainer and a really good communicator. Um, I think you have to learn how to sell. You have to learn how to persuade people. Um, and you have to just learn how to talk to them well, you know. Um, and sometimes you have to be, you're going into somebody's house and you're having to sort of take a leadership role. And it's not always natural for dog trainers to take that role of being a leader, but that's what you're there to do. That's what they're paying you to do. So, you know, it, it was funny. There, there was a, Dave Chappelle, that comedian, and said an interesting thing. He said, you've got, his mom told him, you've got to be a lion to become the lamb that you are. So in other words, you have to be bold to earn that opportunity to make your living cuddling fluffy dogs. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I would say. That's all the time we have for today. We hope you're inspired by Carrie's story to continue following your passion too. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.